Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Independent Life Podcast. This is our first one to be released in the year 2024. What a joy it is to be now, gosh, I think it's a little more than three years that we have been doing a podcast. We, a Center for Independent Living, and it's just been such an honor to come and speak with so many different diverse people from the world of disability and those that serve people with disabilities. I've learned so much, and I'm really thankful for the people that are able to listen and give feedback and for all the people that make this podcast possible. It's just a great joy. And on this podcast, I, I always like to take some time to share some of my thoughts and reflections and talk about perhaps my point of view on the Independent Living Network and how it really ties into the state of humanity and our greater society and just share some reflections and thoughts. This is a time of year, the new year holiday uh, and celebrations that, that that go along. I find it to be very sacred and important. I've always really enjoyed it for many, many different reasons. One of them being that I, I just love how universal this holiday is. It's for everybody. You don't have to belong to a certain religious denomination or uh, necessarily a you know culture most people uh, you know globally recognize you know the calendar year that that we're working with um, and and it's just really beautiful that collectively we come together and celebrate time and in a way that I, the way that I see it is, it's a chance to reflect on the year that has passed and to really take stock of where we are and where we're heading. I find this just to be such an important exercise uh, in doing. And something that I really try to do every day. I think it's always, it doesn't have to be a, a holiday to do it. And the fact that it is a holiday to do it, that collectively, People are doing this. I find this shared experience to be very, very sacred. So th th this time, as I'm looking back on the year, as I'm taking stock of where I am and where I'm headed, you know, it's one of the things that that I heard recently that I think strikes me uh, as being a, a reality is um, pleased with where. I am with where our center is, but not necessarily satisfied. And I'm finding that that's the sweet spot for tension to be not necessarily complacent because of perhaps improvements that have been uh, accomplished and uh, and at the same time to be you know hungry enough to want to keep improving and but not also like think wanting more and not necessarily, um, taking stock of all the things that we have accomplished. So there's a there's a sweet spot in tension there for me that I'm that I'm trying to like navigate at, during this time. And uh, one one of the things that that I'm looking forward to to trying to improve in my life. And and I again I I I do enjoy this part of uh, the holiday that it, it it's kind of um, 
one of those things that where people want to take on change and improvement. It's just certainly a theme in our podcast of how we can become better people, become our best version of ourselves imaginable and possible. Self-improvement has been part of the independent living philosophy uh, for a for a, as you know, I think ever since the 80s, it, it really took you know fire and hold of the independent living movement. And so I do enjoy that this holiday is a time where people take on resolutions on how they're going to improve. And we've had past podcast episodes about behavioral change, which we'll link up into this this one uh, about how you know to do it, you know, whether it's through cognitive or behavioral uh, interventions. I think that's a very you know important part of this holiday. And of course, there is that stereotype of most resolutions aren't realized, and I get that, but that to me is a part of behavioral change, is the cyclical uh, attempts at trying to change something. And, you know, if, if it's like 90% of the resolutions um, by, I don't know, a few months in aren't uh, being kept up with, but 10% are, perhaps the 10% that are, you know, being kept up with are ones that are on the sixth or seventh try you know around maybe it's been six or seven years of resolutions where it finally takes hold so this notion of behavioral change or resolutions and attempts at it that maybe it doesn't work i think it's part of the behavioral change and process and evolution of becoming better people so i highly encourage the trend of this holiday to really put efforts out there where we can improve ourselves wherever possible, whether it's trying to get more French, whether it's uh, improving our finances, whether it's going back to school, doing well in school, uh, jobs, whatever it may be. I think it's very important that we are always making those efforts and it's in the process of making those efforts and the cyclical process of it that I believe ultimately it leads us into a better place of, of becoming the best person possible. It's not necessarily a failure if we regress back. It's just part of the process. So what I'm looking at personally for, for myself, it's it's more, I think, cognitive-based and where I'm seeking to be, I continually work on paying better attention of my thoughts, being more in the moment with people, more and more, and less distracted open to the signs that life is sending in the, the way that I feel like there's a natural course of being in the world and that the world and, and situations and will reveal which way to go. I just have to be paying attention to what they are. Uh, and, and that to me is, uh, can be challenging because we certainly live in an age with a lot of distractions and a lot of things that can occupy our minds. And for me, um, seeking to quiet my mind down as much as possible and to also really examine the, the the patterns of thinking or behaving that I'm in and seeing where I can refresh and renew those things. There's certainly some some patterns that are that are good and that have served me well. And there's others that do not. And even in the ones that serve me well, I'm I'm examining like maybe there's different ways that I can do some of the th things that have been serving me well, like being physically active. Maybe there's new things that I can do. The way that I arrange my office or my house 
or the the routes that I take to work or what I may want to say. Maybe I'll give it a minute and think about something else that I can say or be in this moment. And and just I feel like if it's not new, it can become redundant and hollow and very robotic and mechanical. So I'm really going to look at challenging what I'm thinking, what I may want to say and do and see if I can start experimenting with changing what I reflexively may want to uh, go about doing and uh, see see if I can change something new. It had me thinking about uh, if anyone out there listens or has it watched uh uh, Seinfeld. It's a it's a comedy that it was like in the 80s and 90s, super old school. There's a character in there named George Costanza. And one of the episodes, uh, he's a character which uh, he would find himself always in these precarious situations because of what he said or did. And whatever he said or did, it always landed him into hot water. So in this one episode, he has this idea that he's going to do the opposite of what he thinks he should say and do like doing the exact opposite and lo and behold his whole life changes and turns around for the positive for the better like things and just start happening to him that took him to places he only you know could dream of and instead of being disheveled that like everything that he thinks he should say and do is wrong he was very happy that he somehow unlocked the code and key to living a, a, a more happy and satisfying and successful life. So maybe not to that extreme, but it is certainly uh, along that line that I'm I'm looking to maybe change some things in my life. Um, and, and that can be a challenge uh, to do, which I am also now looking at as being a positive. I think challenges to me and the word challenge I've associated with not being positive and something I would want to avoid. And it occurred to me the other day when I was emailing our center's board president, who I was communicating with her, how I really look forward to this upcoming year and working with her and the board. Uh, we work very closely together to do the work of the center. And at the end of the email saying, I look forward to the challenges that the, the year will bring to us. And I, I, I could see how that might read as, well, that's kind of a fatalistic, nihilistic view of the, the, the year to come. But it wasn't I wasn't coming from that place. I was sincerely coming from a place of like, there will be challenges this year. Like, I want to be, you know, thinking of this differently that like most years I would say, like, hopefully we can avoid the challenges. Hopefully we can avoid the, the hurdles, the barriers that, that you know, could, or we're subject to experiencing. And then I just said, you know what, what year hasn't been challenging? And, and also, how can a challenge be a positive thing? And I started examining that, you know what, challenges are exactly where the growth happens. These are like the, we're in the business of receiving people that are going through challenges. This is our lane. We, we are the challenge experts. We are an organization that's built to receive people as a safe haven for coming up with solutions to, to the challenges people have. So inevitably, like challenges are the the, the thing that we're we're in the business of uh, you know mitigating. And and so it's it's a good thing that it, you know we have this opportunity to to be able to 
receive people that are in need because we are people that run towards a challenge. It's kind of like the firefighter running towards the fire. And we run towards challenge because people are, you know, needing us to overcome them and go through them. And this is something that we're able to do because we ourselves are, have gone through, are going through and will go through challenges. And for the most part, I believe they make us better. We, we can grow, we can evolve, we can adapt, we can overcome, we can become more resilient through these challenges. Uh, certainly, you know, in the ideal world, would would avoid them and and never have them. But I'm I'm not sure that that's that that's the the reality we live in. And and instead of fighting reality and hoping they never come, accepting that they're going to be there, and and instead of being uh, you know, resigned uh, in a in a negative way or surrendering to it, you know, be eager. I'm going to try and be more eager to, to to run towards the challenges and embrace them, you know, for what they are. And um, the, the another thing that I'm contemplating and uh, wanted to really try to put more into practice is is that even though these the, these challenges can be an area of growth, I'm also mindful that there's what I would call uh, a resistance in my life that I want to be able to recognize as something that is not necessarily uh, in my best interest to engage with. Uh, you know, I've talked a bit on the podcast about, you know, how, you know, the the culture that we're in nowadays, an outrage culture, a culture built on um, offending others, uh, built on dividing one another. You know, this podcast has really been about unity culture that will often tell us what success looks like in terms of accumulating material or reputational or political power over others. I did a, a couple of years ago, and we'll link to it in the show notes here, is we talked about the resistance from the context of Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. And one of the things that he proposes, and I found a reality in my life, is that the resistance is this invisible force, a universal force that can affect all of us that is between us and becoming our fullest potential is between us and realizing and achieving our dreams. And it can show up in the form of procrastination. This notion that it's not that I won't do this work that's going to lead to me achieving my dream. Uh, it's that I'll just do it tomorrow and then tomorrow i end up saying well I'll do it today i'm going to put it off till tomorrow or it could be the self-doubt that i might have uh with myself it could be that inner critic that voice inside my head if you all can relate to this that sometimes uh you know, it can be a, my own you know, worst enemy yeah and 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 and, and so recognizing that there there is this I believe this force that can come in between myself and my dreams. And I, and I can see other people struggling with that force and that resistance as well. I find that it shows up for me in terms of reactivity and moments where uh, I may be easily uh, reactive towards a certain situation that I might not find super positive. 
It may be me resisting reality. It may be me being judgmental, me being attached uh, to certain things to where the point where I'm clinging, clinging to it. And, and so what I'm seeking to do in this new year is to really, again, pay attention to when I'm experiencing those things, the reactivity, the resistance, the judgment, the attachments, the impatience, the ego, just being super mindful of those things and really giving myself some space, some time between that stimulus that's causing the reactivity, judgment, attachments. And, and within that space, uh, figuring out how I want to best respond. And that, again, is a time thing, right? The, this holiday is based on time. So giving more space in between these, you know, more res not so positive feelings or, or or things that I'm subject to feeling. So that, that those are some of the things I'm going to be working on this year, seeing things anew, embracing cha uh, the challenges, uh, being mindful uh, of the resistance and really trying to protect myself against it. And when I, when I look at the state of humanity uh, that, that we're in now, I'm finding that the more interactions I have with people, uh, I'm finding more and more that people are making comments about seeing humanity in a, in a, in a devolving state, that there's no shortage of when we're looking into our screens of, you know, this, the, the, the reality of the, the, the situation that we're in, especially when I look at pre-COVID versus post-COVID, uh, you know, there's certainly the impacts that are, we're still feeling nowadays uh, from it. There's no shortage of uh, being shown of war, uh, public shootings, the, the economic turmoil we're in, the political division that we're having. Goodness, we're going into an election year this year the changes and disruptions in technologies, artificial intelligence, you know, is being, you know, again, seen in a large context of, you know, how it's going to perhaps be the next existential calamity. Um, you know, so the, when, when I, you know, talk to people nowadays, it seems to be that like most people are embracing what's being shown to us. If we're looking through our screens and at the same time, I'm mindful of what's not being shown predominantly through the screens. Um, instead of war, there's not necessarily a, a great PR campaign for peace. Uh, instead of you know division, there isn't necessarily a good marketing campaign for unity and, and to where there is good bonding and, and synergy between people and families and friends and community. Uh, there isn't necessarily a, a good PR campaign for for the, for the people that are doing well, um, whether you know, they have good economic means or or not. Um, there's not necessarily, I'm not seeing as much, there is some, you know, talk about how technology and artificial intelligence, especially in the community of people with disabilities, can be a very positive thing. You know, I think it was uh, President Obama that said, said, I believe is when he was president, and I think it still holds true now based on some of the research that Steven Pinker and others have done, that if we had to pick a point in humanity to be alive, the best time to be alive is now. That globally, even with the wars that have recently uh, sparked up within recent years, 
there is more peace on this earth than ever. Um, that this is one of the safest times to be alive. That people have more access to education than ever before. Women globally have more rights than they ever had before. We're doing more with people with disabilities in terms of access than we have ever before. We are, you know, are less people are in poverty. More people have access to the essential resources than before. And again, this is not to say that these that people aren't, you know, experiencing discrimination, that there isn't unequal treatment of others, that there isn't war, that there I just said that there is plenty of that. And at the same time, there is these other realities that are going on. And I'm saying this because, I, again, I, I feel like when we look at our screens, it's predominantly the negative. And yet there is also the positive. It does remind me of the quote by Einstein that he once said that one of the most important questions to ask ourselves is, do we live in a hostile universe or a friendly universe? And he poses it as an either or question. I see it as an and both. And that's what I'm trying to say here is like my view on humanity can easily be swayed towards its negative. It's going, you know, spiraling at control or on the precipice of a civil war and all these other things that I'm, um, I think it's easy for me to get into that. And it, 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 it's also important for me to, to realize that as much as those things are reality, it's also reality that there's a lot of beautiful things that are happening in, uh, on this planet. Both are realities. And so I, I would, I would challenge Einstein to try and frame it as an, and both. Because when I look at the Independent Living Network, I see the and both. And I see it from the context of what um, Mr. Rogers, as we know him, uh, when he was a young child, uh, was disheveled because he was uh, aware of the news of something catastrophic happened where uh, a lot of people, I don't know if it was a natural disaster or a man-made one, where a lot of people were... Uh, were going through a lot of pain and suffering and misery. And his mother said, what's, what's important during those times is yes, to have empathy for, for the people that are suffering or that may have lost their lives, but watch for the helpers. There's all, this is where I think the and both comes in. You know, yes, we, we can live in a hostile world where a lot of people suffer. And there are a lot of people who, are empathetic and service oriented that are helping them. They're, you know, among the, the, the ugliness and, and of reality is also the beauty of it. And I see that in our independent living network and what we're doing. I see the woman who is in a domestic violence shelter, who has a disability, who is looking to leave the shelter, but doesn't have a home heartbreaking and i also see our staff working with that shelter connecting with that woman getting her into affordable housing safe affordable housing and wrapping other services around her that she may need peer supports connecting her to mental health services seeing if you know we can help her to get a job 
that may be beneficial towards her getting her life back together. I see the same thing when there are students who have disabilities in schools who are alienated and bullied, who aren't necessarily achieving academically, who could be. And I also see our high school high tech coordinators reaching those students, letting them know that they are here if they want to enroll into a program that can connect them with other people, other students who have disabilities, to give them a sense of peer support, to give them tools needed to do better in school, to think about what they want to do after they leave school, to provide them the programs and is necessary to be ready for when that moment arrives. And I have seen people, these students, feel seen, feel heard, and have a whole new lease on life to be given hope. Priceless. I see people with disabilities who are looking for jobs and really struggling to get employed. And feeling frustrated. People that are willing to come off of benefits and forego their insurance because they want to work. They want to contribute. And time after time, they're getting rejected and not able to get the job that they want. And I see our employment services staff coming alongside them, helping them with interview skills, putting their resume together, with soft skills training, how to work independently, how to work with a team, how to ask for accommodations. I see these employment service specialists connecting with employers, debunking a lot of the myths that they might have in hiring people with disabilities. I, I see our employment services staff educating them on uh, the people that are looking for these jobs, letting them know that, yeah, you may be losing some benefits in your insurance, but there's these other incentive programs that are there to, to help uh, when you do come off of those to get a job that you may not be aware of, and, and we can enroll you in them. I see people with disabilities who are incarcerated, who are soon to be released into a society that makes it very hard on them because of the, the, the crimes that they have served their time for. Facing a very difficult road with employment, with getting into housing, with finding a positive social network to, to be connected with so that they don't return to prison. And I see Centers for Independent Living working with inside the prison before they're released, helping to educate them on how to find employment, how to find housing, how to build a positive social network, how to look at their story that they're telling themselves about themselves, how they might tell that story once they're released, how that they can rely on Centers for Independent Living as a resource to rebuild their lives and to not return to prison.
I see farmers who are responsible for providing us anything that we eat today, the clues that clothes that are on our body, the medicines that we may take when we're sick. See farmers struggling physically because they may have acquired a disability while they are working uh, to continue working. See farmers with inadequate adaptive equipment to do the job that they have lived their whole lives to do for us. See farmers who through a very tough occupation are struggling every day. And their, their job is 24-7, 365. There's really no vacations from it. Mental health, the suicide rate, six times greater among farmers and people in agriculture than the general population. Very hard, especially with those with the disabilities and mental health challenges. And I see a group of people coming together, seeing these farmers, realizing that they need support, organizing themselves, going out into our rural areas, making it known that we are here for them, to, to provide them with the adaptive equipment they may need, to give them resources that they could use to help continue doing what they're doing independently and to overcome some of the challenges that they may have, to, to make them feel appreciated, seen, to destigmatize some of the things that they may be going through because they have a disability or that they may be challenged. I see people who are deaf, who feel closed off and isolated from the community because when they go out into the public, they can't communicate with people the way that those of us who can hear can. Isolated and frustrated that they can't necessarily access some of the things that are, are so easily accessible for people who are hearing, whether it's healthcare, whether it's going to the post office, whether it's getting a job, wherever it may be. And I see a, a group of talented, highly skilled people who are able to effectively communicate sign language for them that will meet them where they are in the community to be able to help assist in communicating with others so that they can do the things that they need to do to live independently. The, the amount of people needed to coordinate these interpreters to go out and meet with our deaf community to be able to make sure that they are heard and that they're receiving the communication that they need to be able to live the lives that they're looking to lead. The people that understand deaf culture, who understand what it is like and the challenges that they have on feeling like they belong to, to a community. I see people who are recovering from disasters, who have lost their houses, who have lost their homes, who don't have the assistive technologies that they may need or the durable medical equipment because it was lost in the storm. And I see people that are working very hard within independent living to help get them the equipment they need back into their homes so that they may put their lives back together. I see people who are wanting to go into the community who may live in rural areas, 
who have transportation barriers, which I can very much relate to, who want to be able to go food shopping whenever they want to on their schedule, may want to go to social events, may want to go to school, may want to go to work, but because of their disability or their economic status, do not have their own transportation and can feel confined. And I see a group of people at our center that are meeting with them to get them registered into transportation services that can ensure that they have the transportation needed to go from a rural area to a healthcare facility that can get them the dialysis that they need on a weekly basis, to the food that they need, to the resources they need to live independently. I see people who are trapped in their homes, prisoners of their own homes who cannot leave because they use a wheelchair and they don't have a wheelchair ramp. See how isolation and loneliness has really impacted them, their health physically, emotionally, and what it's done to their ability to live independently and how they are imminently going to be admitted into institutionalized care and lose everything that they've worked so hard for in their lives. So many people in that situation. And I see people, people at our center who are connecting with them, who are coordinating with building contractors, who are taking the time on their, on their off time on weekends to go meet people where they live, to build the wheelchair chair ramps that they need to get in and out of their home. And what it does to them when they finally have access to be able to come and go as they please, because people in a community-wide effort have done this, have gone out of their way to build access to get them in another home to prevent any kind of unnecessarily institutionalized care. I see people who more than ever are feeling lonely, isolated, unseen, don't have social connections, don't feel significance, don't feel like they're being heard. And I see people at our center creating opportunities for people that are feeling isolated to come together with meaningful, social, engaging, connective experiences. I've seen our staff work so very hard to nearly every day of the week, having something that is an opportunity for people who don't feel like they're a part of any kind of a group come together and experience community and experience community in a way they are feeling seen they're feeling heard and the, the surgeon general had recently talked about surgeon general for a country the loneliness epidemic and it's being one of the most threatened threatening aspects of public health right now that one in two americans report loneliness. And that, that loneliness puts us at risk for serious physical and mental uh, disabilities. And people with disabilities is probably more than one in two. And that we have staff who care so much about other people who work so hard 
to, to host opportunities here at our center or within our community for people to come together and do engaging and fun, connective experiences is wonderful. And, and these are, have been going on now long enough to where people have been coming regularly and the transformation that we're seeing in people, people who are withdrawn are now becoming more open and extroverted and feeling like they belong to something that's even greater than themselves, that they're contributing to others as well, that they're not just being seen, but they're hearing other people. This is what it's all about. This unity, this ability to, yes, people are going through some very, very tough situations and have incredible needs. And there are so many people within the Independent Living Network that are meeting them right where they are and able to help facilitate the crossing of where they are in need to a place of prosperity, of abundance, and in many cases, the ability to give back to others who are also in need. And it's just been so wonderful to see see this. So I think it's an and both. You know, yes, we, we live in a state of humanity where there's very difficult things that are going on, and that's a reality. And it is a reality that there are many people who have a lot of knowledge, talents, and skills that are the helpers, that are coming alongside people and making their lives better. And it's just such, I'm so grateful to be in a place where I'm able to, to see this, to, to, to be able to say that I work alongside these kind of people who are serving and helping and making the world a better place, not complaining, not blaming, not being offended, not offending, but being a part of the solution. This is what people who work within the Independent Living Network are all about. This is how they're built. And it's just such a joy for me to, to see this, to learn from it, to, to continue to want to grow from it. And I think it's a good example uh, for others, uh, you know, especially the people without disabilities who are going through struggles. Uh, for for humanity to see how do people with disabilities uh, adapt to change, yeah, or, and the challenges that are out there. How how, are, how is it that people with disabilities have this resiliency, this determination, this empathy, this gratitude, this sense of service? Because this independent living network is built by people with disabilities. Many of the people that are the helpers that are serving have disabilities. It's a community of people serving the same kind of people. And it's just such a good example, I think, for, for many of us to, to, to learn from. It's how we can be a part of this solution. How we can, through our own life experiences, you know, be the transformation that others are needing and seeking in their lives. So it's my wish for, for everyone that this can be a year where we're pleased with our improvements but not satisfied and that we're always seeking to improve and through those improvements can have a sense of serving other people so that we can be somebody that is a bridge 
to cross from one place to another, a better place. And then we can find the unity that we're all seeking, the sense of community through disability. As we've said many times on this podcast, disability is a part of the human experience that connects all of us together, no matter what age we are, what occupation we have, what our birth order is, what our political affiliation is, what our religious or non-religious affiliations are, whether our race is, our ethnicity, how we identify ourselves, male, female, whatever it may be, disability affects all of us. And that makes it such a great aspect of the shared human experience that, that we have to come together in union. So as much as that could be out there that is tearing us apart, let's have disability bring us together. This can be a place where we all heal together collectively and allowing ourselves to be the best version of ourselves in manageable. So that's my that's my hope. That's my wish uh, for everyone uh, that we can come together more and more. There's the opportunity to do that. It's up to us to do it. And I look forward to seeing that manifest. I wish everyone an awesome, exceptional, happy new year. And until next time, onward and upward. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352 352- 378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.